Hi everyone, I'm Paola Diana and this is Unleashed, the Game Changers. Today our guest is a real game changer. She's a businesswoman, ultra successful, and she's also an animal rights campaigner. She became a TV producer and director, Rosemary Reed. Welcome, Rose. Hello, how are you? Very well, it's thank so you. It's so lovely to be here. Finally, you invited me to come on. <laughs> I was watching all these incredible women. I thought, why would she want to invite me? Oh so, you know, thank you for inviting you me. You definitely had to come here because I know your story and I would love you to share your story with everyone because it's fascinating. You went through a lot mm. and you never gave up. That's the secret. And you had the strength to stand up and stand up and stand up and just change your life. You know, you did so many successful things in your life. Where can we start? Well, I, I, I did a lot of successful things. I also did a lot of failures as well. So um, I think to get to a place of success, you have to lose a lot to learn. Yes. So I made a great success at 22, lost it at 24, made it again at 27, lost it at 32, but you learn by your mistakes. Absolutely. But, but that, that's how I feel anyone that has found um, a place where they feel comfortable in what they're doing in their life and they can look at it and say, you know, I did achieve something that I'm proud of. To get to that place, you do have, you, you have to have gone through many mishaps. Yes. And because you don't learn otherwise to get that little bit of perfection. Because I, I like most people that are work driven or um, at times they can be um, OCD with a lot of things. I am very, very driven. I don't switch off. Um, I know. And I, I feel that um, the way my life has gone has gone from starting at a very young age, working with horses as a stunt rider. I started that when I was 15 years of age. And even then, I was one of few women that was at actually training to be a stunt rider. So I fell off horses for a living at the wow. age of 15 very plus dangerous. till I was 18. But it, well, funnily enough, it, it, it was dangerous. But if you're like any professional, whether it be car, driving cars or whatever, that has an element of danger in you it. You know how to do that. And, but you obviously get hurt, which mm. I did on many occasions, but, but I wouldn't change it. I just, it was the happiest time of my life. As we, I was saying to you earlier about nature, being with nature for me is where I'm at my most peaceful and I think clearly and it clears my head, just being around, you know, animals, sure. being around trees and that. So then, I went flipped completely over from the age of eight, 19 mm -hmm. and I had my daughter. So for about two years, I was, uh, even during that pregnancy, I thought, I'm having, I've had my baby, she's the most important thing. And I did, after when she was a year old, bring her up on my own for most of the time. Yeah. But, and it's challenging. And it was, well, I never thought like that. Mm -hmm. You just didn't think like that back then. You just got on with it. And I never actually thought, this is challenging. I just thought, I'm going to get this and I want that and I'm going to have better this and this is what I want to achieve. At times, I didn't even know what I really wanted to do. I just knew that if I kept doing something, whether it be cleaning jobs, which I started off to get my first shop, I had six cleaning jobs. Amazing. I did it so well 
because I gave everything to it, that I got more and more work and I got more and more money to be able to save up. And then I saved up and I got my first shop in Covent Garden, which was the GLC at the time, Ken Livingstone, was giving all the local people because I was born and bred in Covent Garden. Mum and dad were Republicans there. So then I went to school there. My daughter's gone to school there. All of it, it was a very, very um, community-based back then, yeah. back in the um, 60s when I was born in the 70s. Covent Garden was a fruit market, fruit and veg market. So it's nothing like it was N now. That yeah, yeah. it, it was very working class, hardworking people making a living by, set, by selling on flowers, fruit and veg. And my mum and dad were kind of, as publicans, a heart of the community there. When Ken Livingstone came into power, he gave all the local people the first pick of shops that were available. Wonderful. So shops that would have been going for about 150,000, he gave to the locals for about 5,000 pounds. So I saved up all my cleaning job money so naive at the time i was only about 21 20 yeah 20, and i had it and i went to an em with an envelope to his offices in the piazza in covent garden and i said you've got a shop in covent garden and i've saved up all my money so childlike when i think back and there's my money will you give me that shop that's great and he looked at yeah. me and i think he probably thought because i would have been a kid to him yeah. and he said um all right you can have it so I got my shop <laughs> so you see, in you the best the position in Covent Garden <laughs> from doing done. six cleaning jobs. And then we got... What uh, were you selling? A clean, oh, oh, clothes. Okay. Yeah. So, Hadn't yeah. a clue. Didn't know what I was doing, but I had a shop. And of course then, didn't know what I was doing running a shop, but I had a shop. How did it go? It was a disaster. <laughs> but, because everything looked so pretty, so I bought all the things that didn't really, wasn't... It wasn't, it wasn't run the way it should have been as a business. Looking back now, I think, oh, my God. But it so happened, just as I was about to go bust, Asda, you know, the shopping group, yeah. wanted to buy the whole complex of where my shop was. So they said, um, they had one of their agents come to see me, and, of course, they didn't know the <laughs> financial struggles we were having. And they said, we will offer you X amount of money if you'll give us your lease. Fantastic. So the X amount of money was huge. <laughs> so that started me off with another shop, which was spas. I had mm -hmm. a substantial amount of money from them. So I was able to do something really proper, proper then. And I, I'd learned a lot from the first experience of what not to do and what to do. And, and, and then it went on from there, it roller-coastered. And then I got into events. I did events. But I love the fact that you change so many industries. You change well, horses uh, to cleaning, to, to clothes, clothes, to events. To events. And then to boxing, right? Well, I went, well, actually it wasn't so much. I went into events and I did some very high profile events uh, with you know, A-listers, BAFTA, Variety, they were very successful. And I got to meet up with different thespian types and I knew a lot of uh, very well-known personalities. We all used to congregate at the Groucho Club, which in its heyday back then was um, a den of iniquity and anything in there after eight o'clock, you didn't repeat outside the door, but everybody was there from 
oh, I don't know, from Stephen Fry to Madonna. I would like Madonna. you to share some of, so, the, some of what happened well, after Well, it was eight. very, well, what stays, what happened in the Groucho stayed in the Groucho, so nobody watching this who was a Groucho member at the time need panic, but it was, it, it was, it was a great experience. And also a lot of that time period, you did a lot of your business in clubs like the Groucho mm. or the Soho House, which was infancy before Groucho's. So a lot of us, you know, if it was, I got to meet a lot of different producers and agents. And then one, I don't know how it happened that a friend of mine who was an agent, we decided we'd, we'd work together because of my contacts. Because at the end of the day, no matter what anybody tells you, a good 75% of everything is contacts. Yeah, right. You have to be able to deliver, of course, but a big part of it is who you can get the door open. So we set up this agency and within a year we had some of the biggest names from a Rolling Stone to, as I see you mentioned, boxing. I managed five world champion boxers, Joe Kawasaki, Chris wow. Eubanks, Steve Collins, Tim Witherspoon, Richie Woodall, and some A-listers. Uh, the Gibbs, Robin Gibb from the BGS. So it was a real experience. And as so many production companies at the time, um, agencies, sorry, they were offered lots of different scripts to invest in. So then it expanded. So I thought, I know so many different characters, whether it be Ken Russell, the director, to Sir Peter Blake, to John Hurt, to whoever. BGs, whoever. I thought, I'm going to do a production of In Conversation, like you do, but slightly different, because it was two equals of their... So it was, um, I don't know, it was Stephen Fry with Bill Wyman. Yeah. It was two peers of really successful individuals, but they had a great admiration for the other one. Yeah. So because of the trust that these people had with me, um, we started doing Living the Life, Wonderful. which went to Sky... I went to Sky with an idea. The, con the commissioner there, uh, James Hunt at the time, he was trying to get his channel up. I've never directed anything in my life, ever, uh, or produced anything in my life. And I said, um, I've got this. I had a very impressive slate of talent, though. I had 20 of probably the most famous individuals in the world, Hans Zimmer, um, a whole diversity of, of careers. And um, he said, okay, I'll take it. A bit like Ken Livingstone. So the universe Fantastic. was with me. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he took that series. And three series, late, seasons later, I still had three critically acclaimed series. Now, Wonderful. the first, it's important I go back to the beginning. So my co-producer was a gentleman who's a, a legend in this, the world, called Leslie Phillips. Yeah. He's one of the most famous old British actors of all time. He directed and he was a producer. So I listened and watched him because the first show we did, he was one of the contributors with Robin Gibb. And we had a director there and that director was not getting the conversation out of these two. That's who why you I knew. stepped in. So I stepped in, I said, and the next episode, I did it myself with Leslie. And after that, 33 episodes later, it was like, I, I, I kind of, but I still didn't consider myself a director. I considered myself a bit of a fake. 
because how did I get there? How did I become a director? I'd not been to film school. I'd not been to do the typical cliche things that one did when you become a director, particularly working with that level of talent. Yes. You know, the A-listers of John Hurt, um, Anthony Hopkins, all these different people. Because they were friends and they were so seasoned, they almost helped me through the job. Yeah. So I learned from my friends and I did learn and I learned and I learned. Like you, we pick things up yeah. quickly. So then it m moved on where I, I gave up the agency and I focused more on directing. Because this is what you prefer. I, what you well, love. I like storytelling like you do. I like yeah. to hear people's stories. And um, my passion also, but I've missed a big chunk out because if I go back before I started the agency, I set up a domestic violence centre in Camden for women. So hence Fantastic. was my, because of my childhood, I had personal reasons for wanting to support women and help women that were in situations that they shouldn't be in and also children. So I, I set up with Al Gore's sister-in-law. Uh, she has a centre in, in Boston called the Family Centre. I went there and I trained to do whatever working with victims of domestic violence and also perpetrators. And we set up the first drop-in centre in Camden. And we set up the first domestic violence drop-in centre at Holborn Police Station. But that was a real storytelling of hearing these women's different horrific stories at times, yeah. but from diversity of backgrounds, from very humble, 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 10-storey council flat, few kids on benefits to a woman who was a high court judge near enough I so know. you had different women going through the same Horror. emotional roller coasters yeah. so I learned a lot about about myself through listening to that and I think it was like an A&E experience of of listening to sure. women in violence so that made me really want to help women more to one of the things I experienced with women that came in, no matter what their education, what their income bracket was, they seemed to not have the self-confidence and self-belief that I would have thought they would have had, particularly if they'd gone to university or they were a CEO of a company, but they still were lacking that self-confidence that this is me. I'm not subservient to a man or a woman. I'm just me, and I want to and will be successful. I want mm -hmm. to be, whether it be as an artist or even doing cleaning jobs, mm -hmm. I want to do the best I can Absolutely. at what I'm doing and have confidence in that. So I learned a lot from that life experience, and it yeah. would take me forever in a day to tell you what I, I actually witnessed and, and learned. But when I had a burnout five years later, because having that continual um, stories of abuse and sadness and just, I think, I, I, I somebody, too much for you. well, somebody asked me what it was like. And I said, on so many occasions, I met the devil because having what I didn't realize, because I'd never experienced it. I'd experienced violence, but never child abuse. Yeah. What I never realized was how, how much child abuse went on. And I would have said that 70% of the women that came through our doors, and there was thousands over the five years, 
most of those children had experienced sexual abuse. Oh God, so Jesus. that to me was more shocking. Terrifying. Because when you've yeah. experienced domestic violence growing up as a child, it's not as shocking to you because you've experienced it. But because you hadn't experienced sexual abuse, oh, this is really, this is horrific. But then I, I got um, into a place where I had a burnout. So I changed careers and I went into a different field, which was, um, I went, I never gave it up, but I made an income out of hair and beauty and spas, which just ticked over and made a good income. Yeah. But then jumping forward again, going into events and management, I then thought doing Living the Life series, directing that, that, those, those, those shows with those legends. What was I passionate about? Storytelling and women. Yes. And animals. So story because I work with horses and dogs and governors. So storytelling in women. So then I set up Power TV, which we did, which you, which you were very kindly, um, we were honoured to have you. It was another Sky show. You did Ingrid Newark, the founder of PETA, oh, the animal woman. animal rights yeah. um, organisation, uh, campaigners, um, and I did in total seventeen Power of Women episodes so they were two iconic women similar to living the life yeah. but sharing the trials and tribulations that they had to overcome as a woman in business so a woman who was at the height of their career whether it be amanda berry the ceo of bafta to yourself who was an incredibly successful woman to um, a spice girl to gloria allred attorney in america so there was very different careers but had experienced very similar yeah, challenges. challenges now one thing that i never said throughout that time and only till the, probably the end of that series and it wasn't probably till I started doing Driving Force was another show which I'm in season three now which is two iconic sport it's like it's uh, wonderful uh, it's fun, I really sports love women. It. It now I'm serious. doing another one yeah. which I'll tell you about I actually thought you know what I don't see many other directors female directors I want to get there yeah unfortunately you, there are many you're the few. same you're the same few. there are very few women like yeah. you yeah. who are doing but the only way you can do it like you have and I did mm -hmm. is to actually get up and get your own crew and put your own thing and you do it and because you and I are yeah. quite strong personalities um, we won't take no for an answer so I didn't think I was a victim and I certainly never thought my God, that man's stepping in my way. I never thought like that. I just thought this is life's challenges. Yeah. You know, I want to be good at whatever I do and I'm harping on about whether it be a cleaner or a director or whatever. I want to give it my best shot. Yes. And I, I do believe if you give something your best shot, no matter what that is, you will get promoted. 100%. Or you will become a great success and you will be successful yeah. in that particular career that you take up. But saying about directing and producing, and then I suddenly hit me, I thought, I don't, I'm not meeting other directors. You're and then definitely of course, one of a kind. Of one of the meeting. Yeah. Well, I'm only one of 14% female directors in this country. Wow. And in America, I think it's 9% in America, 11% that get their work commissioned by a broadcaster. Incredible. Yeah. As an independent it's production. It's too low.
I'm not Spielberg. There are many film directors, female film directors, mm. that could knock spots off me, technically, I'm sure. I'm not playing myself down because I do no. get good results and I have made 123 shows now on a shoestring budgets, but they were all critically acclaimed. So I must have got something right. Of course but, you do. But, but, and, and I am proud only now of my work. It was only with Driving Force where I took, I, where I worked with my co-producer, Judy Murray. She's amazing. Of the Murray yeah. Club, uh, yeah. son Andy and Jamie, who was, I learned an awful lot from Judy as well. But it was only when I did that, I stood back one day, and it was a very intimate per moment for myself. And I sat, and it was up, not far from here, it was uh, just behind um, uh, the prison, Wormwood Scrub, yeah. was it Wormwood Scrub yeah. Prison? I was interviewing Denise Lewis, who's the athlete, and the crew had gone. And I sat there, and it was a really hard shoot, that one. The, the, the light wasn't right. We had to, do, we delayed, so we lost so much time because of lighting and weather, because we only had her for the day. And I sat down after, and I thought, um, was going over the day, and I thought, you know what? I'm actually a director now. I'm actually a director now, and I'm going to actually say I'm a director because before I hadn't the confidence really, and I didn't think it was lack of confidence. Very interesting. But it actually was, yeah. and so many women are like that. Where men, if they did 120 odd shows that were commissioned by BBC, ITV, after two, uh, two, uh, not one, they think they, they were the, they were yeah. the. Uh, and do you know it actually yeah. made me very emotional? I cried that day. Oh. Because I hadn't still made a lot of money because, again, women directors, producers get that much of what their male counterparts and did. And women director producers like you, yes. now you're, you're yes. really good at what you do. Mm. No, you're too No, kind. no, you're very good at what you do. Some women like you, women like you, and there are a few and far between, but if anyone wants to do it, if they put the effort in like you and I, they can. Yeah. You should have your own chat show, Channel 5. When I look at some of the shows we'll that are on ITV1, God bless them women, I know half of them. But you could knock spots off so many. But it's, it's about a click. It's about if you haven't got that connection or you don't, you're there and timing's important yeah, as course. well. In the right place at the right time. I think that's changing. I've been at meetings and I've been described as a maverick and I didn't like that. I thought, mm. okay, I am a bit of a, I am a maverick. Yes, I am. But please address me as a director, producer. Of course. You know, yeah. but I didn't say that till I actually believed it myself. And you have to believe in it yourself. Yeah. And I, I, I did you it. You have to. You to have be to. be successful, you have to believe in yourself. But one piece of wisdom I only heard the other evening when I was filming, um, a gentleman who is the um, designer for Aston Martin of all the Bond cars, Marek, he's incredible, he's a genius. And we were talking in an interview I did with him and Miles, who's the other designer, they were in conversation. And um, he was talking about the aerodynamics of a car and how their, um, their cars are so, so finely tuned to the, even the weight of the angel wing bar, badge on their cars. And the lady who hosted it for me, Di Stewart, incredible 
uh, incredible interviewer, she said, oh, I could never do that. I could actually never, I could never, not, not in, in any way putting herself down, but, mm. you know, she, they were talking about technicalities and weights and, you know, all these different things. And he said, well, actually, you can. Just imagine a child before they're taught the alphabet, before you were shown the letter A, you didn't know what the letter A was, so you didn't know how to draw it. Yeah. But if you're not shown to do something, you'll think, I could never do that. Yeah. So if you only go outside your comfort zone, which you and I have, yes. then you're teaching yourself something that you think, oh, I could never do that. But you can. You've just got to try it. Maybe you might enjoy it. But step out of your comfort zone. Yeah, it's a powerful message. Thank you, Rose, for sharing. It because, is. Yeah, I always hope, you know, that our public uh, get inspired to make a change that maybe they never thought was possible. But look at me. Yeah. What did I, what could I, if you'd have said, this is a young girl who left school at 15 to ride horses, had a baby at 20, six cleaning jobs, I'm proud of that. Some people try and cover that. I, I did cleaning jobs. I'm really proud. I, I love that. that you're I scrub floors. I used to, in fact, I'll tell you a story. She won't be embarrassed about it. There's another incredible woman uh, you probably know is Nika Burns. Yeah. Now, we used to clean a theatre called the Donmar Warehouse in Covent Garden. And I used to bring my daughter in a pushchair. And she'd sit there at six o'clock in the morning, wrapped up. And we clean this theatre. You could see your breath. I hadn't seen Nika for 20 years and I, I'm a big Oscar Wilde fan so I went to see Lady Windermere's fan down at the Von, Van Vondervelt I can never pronounce it in the Strand Theatre yeah. and it was the opening night because we had one of our actors in it and uh, when I was an agent and then I saw this woman and I thought I know you who are you she looked a lot older still fabulous Nika but she looked a lot older and I said, oh, no. she went, Rosemary, I went, Nika, I said, what are you doing? We're chatting. She said, um, oh, I'm in, I said, what, because she was working in the theatre at the time, but she was okay. very junior, but I think she did the cleaning to get extra money. She said, oh, I'm in theatre now, I run theatres. And I thought, oh, what, what are you doing here? She said, oh, well, I own this theatre now. Wonderful. So she owns nearly every theatre in the West End. And she started cleaning jobs with me Amazing. as a very junior. So that yeah, is, yeah. I'm saying, yeah. so we had two women that we're really like just women doing our bit. So no matter what your background, no matter what your education, you can achieve anything you want to, if you believe you can. I agree with you 100% and you are the example. I don't know, I try yeah. my best and I try now more than anything what was driving you? Uh, sustain your family, your daughter? Mm, what was what the drove me? Major? Yeah. I think I didn't want to be poor because we never had anything as kids. Even though mum and dad were publicans, yeah. it was a very poor area. Yeah. So we didn't make a lot of money. And um, I think I saw my mum and my mum uh, struggle so much. And I just wanted to. Uh, but yeah, my mum really distilled it in, well mum, she wasn't sexist or anything, she didn't know what sexism was, my mum, she thought gay was to be happy back then, you know, but um, my mum always said to me, uh, work hard 
and she said, and she wasn't being sexist, never rely on a man. All my life she distilled it in me. I don't know, I could go into that, but it's yeah. private family. But, and I never kind of subconsciously probably didn't. That's good because you became an independent woman. Well, I think she was. Heart. She kept the family. Yeah. She held that pub together and she yeah. ran a pub. She was a woman. She hadn't. She left school at eleven in Ireland. You know, and came over Wonderful. to the to I to England in the sixties, like a lot of Irish people did. So we had no blacks, no Irish, no dogs yeah. when they arrived in the UK. Was uh, she a role model for you? Yes, she was. Yeah, and still is to this day. She's ninety. Um, she still is. Um, we're very, very different, and we do things very differently. But she came from a very, there was 14 kids in two rooms where she grew up. So where my dad came from completely the opposite, he came from a very, very privileged family and lost everything. So mummy kept it all together. But so I did get a lot of that um, strength from my mum. But then a lot of it comes from within yourself because yeah. the biggest turning point for me in my life where I really did find success and I really did find peace was when I became born again and that was in 2013. So and tell me more about this. It was a spiritual awakening, right? It was indeed and I had a very turbulent time. I mean everything happens for a reason and I have no regrets. I've made some terrible mistakes in my life and trusted and made bad judgment calls but that you I wouldn't change because it it's made me the person I am yeah, now exactly. and you know I screwed up so many times and they didn't. We you know nobody's perfect but for me now um, I went through a, a very dark time broke up with a very abusive relationship and then there was lots of bad mistakes For, like it was like a thunderbolt of everything happening at the same time and I think we've all been through that at different stages of our lives where certain things have happened to all us together the yeah. universe I believe it's God the universe will make so many things happen to you all at one time when particularly if you're a strong character because otherwise you just keep going on so um, I went into hospital I wasn't I had a real serious physical from exhaustion breakdown and yeah, mental breakdown emotional yeah. not not like uh, it was emotion emotional bombardment and then I thought my God, you represented women like this. What are you doing? Get out. So we went into hospital. I checked out, got that person out of my life. And a friend of mine, who is an was an incredibly powerful woman then, renowned throughout the world for what she did, she came and visited me in hospital, I'd say, three times a week. It's, I was blessed that I, I was in a private hospital, so it wasn't so bad. Yeah. Probably the first break I'd had in years. Um, and she was a devout Christian and Catholic Christian became Christian and uh, we prayed because I always prayed because you know you're all up yeah. a Catholic you always yeah. think you're a God and you bless yourself and it's automatic even if you're kind of not as faithful when you made your first Holy Communion but um, we spoke and she got me into she said a prayer with me one night and it was a prayer of handing over of all my worries to God and we did a very powerful prayer and from that day even now I feel very emotional Wonderful. because together I, I, I cried my eyes out because I had a lot of DNA baggage coming through from my family's past yeah. and a lot of darkness and 
you know, I, I actually realized then that I'd never had real success because I really hadn't, um, I hadn't seen myself as a person that was gone into the light. It, it was always had, there was always something wasn't quite, um, it wasn't quite the way I should be as if lived by, 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 the, by the Bible and by my prayer. You and think you well, weren't in peace with yourself? I certainly was not, no. I mean, I did tarot. I, I, I did things that, not bad things. I never did anything bad, bad, like you'd say, oh my God, that's evil or something. But I didn't live the way I live my life now. Um, I was studying to be a pastor at one stage. Um, I've put that on hold because of whatever God wants reasons. This. Then I suddenly thought it wasn't happening for me, the church I was in. So I thought, well, my work really is telling women's stories of empowerment, yeah. telling and getting out there, which I'm doing now with my new show, uh, which I, I did Driving Force. I did 18 episodes of Driving Force for Sky and ITV1. Last year, I did, I did, I did uh, 19 hour documentaries in 13 months. Whoa. Burnt out, burnt yeah. out to the ground, you know. Yeah, Just, yeah. oh my God, I didn't have anything left. Burnt out. And then um, I took a break, and now I'm going back to do another show on the Lionesses. But all oh, that's of, fantastic. Well, I am, and that's about the World Cup next year. I, and I've got I exclusive, I've got access and things. Well I'm done. really excited. But my faith, now, I don't worry. That's the biggest thing. Anything that's wrong, and I'm not able to personally articulate it or logically do from world life experience, I hand it to God because I know what's for me won't pass I me. But it's fundamental. Spirituality is fundamental. You know, there are people who believe in a certain religion, people who believe uh, in other maybe universal philosophies. But I think he, we need, we all need to be spiritual. 100%. Way. Because if not, life is too superficial. You know, everything can be just individualistic, shallow, uh, you know, with no meaning. When and I you met you, I felt that about you. I think yeah. you're a very much a woman that um, can read people's energy. And you can, that's why you're good at talk, interviewing people. I think that you have a very strong spiritual presence. Now, sadly, in this country, um, people don't seem to feel comfortable talking about their faith, particularly right. spiritual yeah. faith or God. In America, it's quite the opposite. Mm. It's a real, it's the, you know, most famous artists, sports character, person, like they speak about sure. if it wasn't for God, they thank God when they get their awards. Over here, it's kind of, I think we are all brothers and sisters. Every one of us. And love is the answer, but it is really love, right? Yeah. And I think the real spiritual awakening lets you understand that we are all the same. We are all the same. We are part of the self. We are part of the God, the goddess of the universe. Exactly. But if you else. believe in good and you Perfect. believe in love, that's God. Yeah. Do good, trust God, I say. But if you do good and you trust love, then you have, and that isn't some hippy-dippy saying. I've been where I've run nightclubs. I've done all kinds of, you know, such diversity of careers and mixed with all so diverse of people of where they come from, their energy. But I've know, I know that if you do good yes. and you have love, 
you can change many situations and diffuse many situations by having that that energy about you. It's very hard at times because you get others that their energy is um, negative and, and it has a darkness around it. But I've found even with those individuals, if you sit enough with them and you give that energy to them. You can help them. You can help them or yes. they'll go away and think about it. So they encounter several different people like you. When I met you and I filmed you for Power of Women with Ingrid, your empathy with her, even though you and I don't agree completely with a lot what she, she, she says, but fair play to her, she's doing a bloody good job yeah. and they have changed the laws for animal rights, etc. Um, I saw the way you interacted and your interest in her as a woman yes. was real. Yeah. It wasn't just some interviewer that's been paid a lot of money or you, you interviewed her. So even back then, you were interviewing her and it was supposed to be a conversation, yeah. but you were drawing stuff out of her because you genuinely cared about her journey Absolutely. and you wanted to share it, whether yeah. you believed in it or not. And also, you know, I, I, I love animals like you. Exactly. I, I love animals. I, I can't even understand that, you know, someone can be bad with animals, particularly with dogs, right? Oh because I know you're doing a lot yeah. for dogs and now. Dogs are, dogs are, they say dogs are, are man's best friend. And if you want to spell it backwards, it's God, yeah. you know. So, yeah, um, but... I've always loved my animals. I've always worked and done fundraising for different animal charities, etc. But when I was approached recently about laboratory testing animals, that's a different level, yes. particularly what I've witnessed with, with uh, uh, MBR Acres, which is in Cambridge, where they just breed dogs to torture them and experiment horrendous experiments on whether testing bleach or whatever on them and it's a horrendous thing so that I think for me again with my faith I have a lot of contacts yeah. so I have used those contacts now this is my faith yeah. that my that's my mission that I have used those contacts with the rich and powerful that is good to it's, say it's good. you proclaim to me yeah. to love dogs I want you to do something about that for me yeah. And they are. And I think that was my purpose. So what I'm doing, whether it be TV or whatever I'm doing, there is a purpose behind it for me. And I will, with others, have that place shut down, without a doubt, and yeah. expose the barbaric people behind it. Because in this day and age, cruelty should not be accepted, but we're doing it to other humans, other yeah. children, other adults, you know, power. And there is only a handful of people controlling this world at the moment. It's not, it's all a fast. We won't go into conspiracy theory, but there are the extreme wealthy that have complete control with the pharmaceutical companies over this planet. If you're in any way educated or you're in any way read, read or study or whatever, you know this is factual. The only thing yes. women like you and I can do is try and spread through our work. It's more positive. Yeah. Absolutely. Not just fear, fear, fear on the news. I put the TV on the news. Everything's fear. Everything's famine. Everything's. Oh, we're not going to have any electric. We're not going. That may be true, but again, it might not be true. But if we put that energy out there, it's going to be picked up by the average Joe or Mary, and they will believe it. Yeah. 
you have to counteract that with positivity and positive energy. So if you make a show and I make a show, let's inspire. So like with the Lionesses show I'm making and all the sports women. I can't women. wait to watch your show. So about the Lionesses. here we go. We've got a team of women who are now, they succeeded where the British, where the England team, men, couldn't. They won the Euros yeah. this year. They're about to go into the World Cup. They have uh, shown exactly what it, it, you know, that to be a female footballer can give as much entertainment, as much skill, Absolutely. can empower and inspire young girls yeah. that live in the most humblest of areas. You can be me. Yes. And sport. I worked with uh, Nelson Mandela's uh, granddaughter recently, and I'm doing a, another show with her on, on empowering women in, in Africa. Amazing. You're unstoppable, Rose. I love it. I love, <laughs> I love her. That. You've got to meet her, yeah. Taquini Mandela. And her grandfather said many times that sport is the way to bring equality. Because yes. no matter your background, your color, your creed, you can both kick a rugby ball. It's true. It's so true. And that is now my next journey. Yes. So with Driving Force, bringing together um, 20 of the most powerful women in sport, whether it be Dame Kelly Holmes, Victoria Pendleton, they, um, they went against the grain because they didn't get the support that their male counterparts got. They didn't get the brands. They didn't get the sponsorship, but they still put triple the work in and they became champions. And it's so unfair. I think we should definitely pay women in sport like we pay men, because you know we, we can create the same uh, amount of- We could say that for directors. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I get half the money that what my male counterparts I know, get. I know, it's I not know. fair. You know, one of my friends who's a really top sports correspondent, mm. worked with her only last week. She's fantastic. She's one of the best, her knowledge of sport if I say what sport, then they'll know who it is, but, and I don't want to put that on her, but she earns half of what her male counterparts earn. And that is That's just not fair. Not fair. Yeah. And that isn't us being anti-men. You know, I love men. I've been married quite a few times. We all and do. <laughs> we love men. I love all, everything. I love nice things. I'm not ashamed to say I, you know, I've worked bloody hard for what I've got. But I think it's not fair that in, in this, day and age that we have so few CEOs at the top of the company, we have so few female directors, we have so few of so many women in seriously high positions. But Likewise. I do think going forward that sport is a way that, that young girls can get more equality, ex yeah. escalate it quicker. Venus Serena Williams, she brought tennis, um, on another to, level. Yeah. On another level. Also, we've got jockeys, female jockeys yeah. now, Hayley Turner, Holly Doyle, women that I filmed for my last show. They are jockeys that are equal with yeah. men. So they will earn the same amount of money. Yeah, as. But then you've got women like Maggie Alfonso, who is one of our greatest rugby players of all time. She's only on that much of what her male counterparts are. That, I mean... And then you've got uh, Beth Mead of the England Lionesses, who is an unbelievable player. She's on a year what um, a second team player for, say, Arsenal is on 
we get in a day. Yeah, and football, the, the difference is... It's incredible, it, and it has to change. And I am talking to the FA about this. Yeah. You know, I'm working closely... Well done, Rose. With, ...with the chairwoman, who is all out for change. Mm. There needs to be facts, there needs to be boundaries, and there needs to be rules. Yeah. Rules that are made on facts. Yes. Not just because, you know, people decide that this is the way it's going to be. Exactly. It has to be made on facts. And, and that's what I like to go by, is on facts. Exactly. And you're the same. 100%. So, so I would know you would have really studied what you're discussing. I and we just have to make sure that, um, that things just don't get completely so out of control. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Women need their special They places. need us. Yeah. Women like us to speak yeah. out exactly. for women. Yeah. Because as I said to you, power only understands power. Yes. And power looks for weakness in its opponents. Yes. And when you and I don't reflect weakness, yeah. we, can, we can't. We can't. Because if we do, I dread to think what, uh, uh, what's going to happen in the next 10 years. Yeah, we have to still fight for our rights. Uh, Every rules. day. Every day. Every single day. Yeah. It won't stop. So yeah. you can criticise me, say what you want, write to me, you know, say whatever you want about me. I really, really couldn't care less as long as I know that I'm doing good exactly. and I'm doing what's right. Yes, you have your conscience clear because you know you're doing something good. Same as animal rights, the yes. campaign we're working on the, at the moment. If you don't know your facts then scientists that do know will trip you up. Yeah. You have to know your facts. So like on this subject matter, I'm not so on my facts. I know you're an expert on it with the transgender, but I do know with science now, with animal testing, 96% of animal testing is a waste of time because what testing you do on humans doesn't, animals, doesn't work for humans yeah so you're actually putting humans in danger by saying this worked on yeah. this beautiful baby here yeah. so that that's why i'm saying facts so people can't trip you up on facts yes but also you know i think that we need boundaries right torture shouldn't be admitted no slavery no you know it's a crime universal crime so the same the way we treat animals we need a certain ethos, right? We can't do whatever we, we want in order to help uh, humans to be, live a better life. There must be a bond. But you know, I could not agree with you more on this. We are losing all boundaries mm -hmm. everywhere. Animals are a prime example. So you say, oh, I want to test on that because that, that, that mouse or that rabbit or whatever the animal may be because I don't want to use a mascara that's going to blind me. How dare you torture another? How dare you torture another creature yeah. for you? Yes, I understand animal experiments, perhaps at times back in the past when people were more ignorant of the actual because I believe animals have souls. Yeah. Animals are empathy. They empathize with us. Before, I was a dog, keep it outside, or it was They a love pig. their babies. Pig, the pig, mothers yes. love their babies. You I, know. I saw a video of the cow, you know, licking her. Uh, like you did shop. with us, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, look at Jane Goodall, who we've worked with, yeah. one of the greatest queen of the animals, queen of the yeah. chimpanzees. She, these, she's amazing. These, these are animals that have, they have feelings. Yeah. They feel pain, emotion. They're like us. 
and you you don't care you kick them around and you experiment but they're doing it with children they're doing it with women women's rights yes you know the taliban all of these things you can't go to school you can't learn it's a tragedy it's his tragedy humanitarian uh, tragedy and and i think women I know probably will be very criticised. I will be. I think women will do probably a lot better job. There's some good women and some bad women. But on the whole, I do think women have more empathy yeah. with we animals, with nature. More compassion you know, and more empathy. We're yeah. starting fracking again in this yes. country. Do you know how damaging that is to nature? Oh, my God. It's just the earthquakes happening all over America because of it. And we're so small. There's just no respect for nature, no respect for animals. And I do believe that um, women like us, it's, it's up to us to keep our mouths open and not be shut by 100%. those who feel that yeah. because they are cool or they've got a status that they can say whatever suits them because of the way they see the world. It's not. Yes. It's a global justice. No, absolutely, and that's why we need more female directors as well, because it's, you show people the way you see the world, and the way you see the world is a different way from a man, right? But that's so why I like your conversations, because they're real. They're not, it just comes out, it's and true. that's the yeah. way it has to be. Yeah, everything can happen here. I never prepare anything. I never write no. down the questions. And if people yeah. are afraid to speak out, God yeah. help us. Yeah. <laughs> we have to speak out. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what you do. Yes, unleashed. And, <laughs> and that is why unleashed, I yeah. think I am so humbly grateful for women like you. Oh. Because you are role models to girls that don't have a voice. Yeah. And you too, darling. And and it's we try in our own way. To be connected as yeah. well, right? It's yeah. so powerful when women like us, you know, connect. Because you create can create miracles. You can create something special. Yes, indeed. It's chemical reaction. and No matter magic. what your background, no matter what your creed, women yeah. connect. Yes. They feel that connection. And I think we're going to have to come together a lot, lot more Absolutely. soon. I tell you the truth, men, they're very good in that. Because, you know, in my years in politics before becoming an entrepreneur, I learned from the boys club, from yeah. the powerful men yeah. who were running the country and they were so good with each other. They were helping each other, yeah. uh, gaining you know, new positions uh, and money. We didn't do that. Exactly. So that's I try and you do. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, like I said to you, it took me to make a hundred shows before I felt I'm a director. But if that was a man, you after one, he'd consider himself an Oscar winner, you know. Yeah. You think you had the imposter syndrome, right? Yeah. yeah. But so many women do because we've been brought up that way, to think that way. You and I will smash it. Yeah. We won't I'll allow tell it. Tell you the truth, I had to be my biggest fan since <laughs> I was born, I guess. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, in my well, home... Well, that's bloody marvellous. Yeah, I love home, it. I was, you know, considered the black sheep many times. And my brother so was, was the, I, the god. So was I, actually. <laughs> yeah, I was the black sheep, but I didn't care. Yeah, so I didn't even I, care, did you? I was just my fan. No, I didn't care. I didn't care. I, I just made myself. But you are a self-made woman. Yeah. You are a woman that is self-made. Two words, self-made. That is something to be very proud of, no matter what you do for a living, because you've never relied on anyone. Because believe me, it's not easy.
it is not. very, very hard. So yeah. they people see you driving in your nice car or whatever. We earned it. Yes. We earned it. I earned it from yeah. scrubbing floors upwards. You earned yeah. it from yeah. hard work. Yeah. You were, I know you. You work 24-7. Yeah. You mightn't yeah. seem it because you always look so glamorous, yeah. but you're committed. Yeah. And, and, and I do think, and I hope you, 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 you feel that way, that no matter what your job, if you give it your all, you will get promoted yes. and you will do well. And I think also having children helps, right? Yeah. Because you, you feel responsible for them. Yes. You really need to give them everything. You want to give them more. Uh, I think I, I wouldn't have achieved what I did without my children, you know? I, I think they were I a driving force you. for me. I, I don't know are. about that about you. I think, I, don't disrespect, I think you would have been a driving force anyway. I don't think so. <laughs> I think, you know, for me and you, we, it's our nature. So we would have found, if we hadn't have had our children, we would have found some other substitute to give that empathy yeah. and warmth of um, Mother Nature en energy. But I do feel when you've got a drive like we both have, whether it's not been egotistic, it's nothing, it's fact, that's in you. Yeah, so it's in it, you. It's finding self-confidence. Yeah. You know, this is what I'm learning while interviewing successful change makers. There is something in common between all of you and it's the way you gain self-confidence. Yeah. And that's the sparkle, the flame. And from there, you know, everything uh, starts. But you've I, I always been that. confident and I, and, I, and I can spot it. Your confidence is very genuine. It's not superficial. It goes deep. And um, some women, and I get shocked, I never, ever have felt intimidated in a boardroom or with anything like that. I probably feel, I, I'm saying about feeling in, in not intimidated of self-worth, doing a job which I never for a million years thought I'd be doing. But for you, I feel you have a, a unique edge that you've always had that self-confidence. Thank you. I think I'm lucky. I, I really think uh, I'm an old soul and I might have learned in other uh, Yes, of a hard lives yeah. to make you, make, so. you know, and that, that's probably my, mm -hmm. but, it, but, you know, and one other thing I wanted to say to you today was ageism is a big thing for me. Oh, yes. Because I agree. ageism I agree. is the new me, me too. Particularly for women. For women. For men as well, but particularly for women. hideous for women, right? You, you know, you've got ageism is the next yeah. me too. Yeah. In the 50s, 60s, the average age of a woman was 58 to 60. Now it's 85. So we're living another three decades. Yes. So what are we going to do? Sit at home with a shawl around us and just watch Jeremy Kyle or sit at home? Or if you're fortunate enough to have money, go traveling and do whatever. I feel that women should start a new career in their 50s. Yeah. You know, get a new marriage in their 50s, 60s, whatever. 70s. Yeah, Look at Jane whatever Fonda. you want to do. Absolutely. She's just now the new face of H&M. Bless her, she's yeah. got cancer at the moment, but she'll overcome that. But, you know, Jane has been a big influence on my life. Her, her third act, you know, we've got three different acts in our lives. And we, well, I'm older than you, but we're, we're in a next part of our act. Yeah. So I want to now not just inspire young girls, but I want to now, by my work going on, sure. to say, you might be 55, you might be 65, 
Yeah, and you Might can have 70. other two lights in front of you. You could start modelling at 65. Yes. There's a big demand now yes. for models of an older age, you know? Yeah. And on top of that, darling, I think we need to be respected more. We're not I respected. Hate, yeah, I hate when also the press, right, disrespect women or these trolls online, disrespect women just because of the age. Are we well, mad? It's disgraceful. It's disgraceful. Yeah, it's actually exactly. a disgrace. And you know, we, we won't entertain that. Yeah. I yeah. would not entertain that at all. Absolutely. No, well, it's not, I'm not, proud not of my, my age. shift. I'm <laughs> proud of my age. You of know, I'm sure you're proud of yours. Very. Come we through. made it. We arrived. Yes. We're still alive, particularly after a horrendous pandemic. So we should but come on now, Paolo. What do you think with women? I think next part of it should be saying to older women, don't let the media, don't let men. You're not washed up at 40. Yeah. My God, let alone um, uh, 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 coming into your 50s or 60s. You're, you know, we're living so much longer. We're healthier. We're, there's so much yeah. at the touch to do courses. Look at me. Yeah. Wanting to be a pastor at 50. Yeah. I love Did that. you ever think, you know, <laughs> nobody that knew me when I was 20, even I, 30, I even 40. I want to go back to university one day, yeah. Well, then you should do <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, I think you know. we never stop learning. We so women, learn whether you're young, kid, whether you're 50, 60, you can achieve anything you want yeah. as long as you believe it. Yes. Because yes, you yeah. can light that room up and you can say, you know, you just got to believe. You, you know, um, you just believe, 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 and you can get it. I, I, and that isn't me just saying something like you've got these motivational speakers. I've lived that. I know you're a role model for that. Uh, and that's why Soho House asked you to become the ambassador, correct? Well, can you share more? I, I don't know about the word ambassador, but we have had... Uh, a lot of talks um, over the last months about focusing on the older member, the grown-ups, the grown-ups, the, grown <laughs> the legends. Exactly. You know, the legends, the founder members, yeah. and I just felt that that was—they're um, very open to improving every part of their their brand. Um, but and it's very easy to just concentrate on the Generation Z going up to about 30 year olds because you know they want to be part of a membership they want to be part of a club and everything so sometimes like in a lot of these things the more older mature member gets or whoever guest gets slightly forgotten about so what I'm going to be working on is um, putting more events in place Wonderful. that will bring more of a or say for example Age diversity. Diverse, in there you content. go. See, you can yeah. articulate where I can't. Yeah. So, uh, um, and it's, it's so age needed. diversity. Yeah. That's really good. I'm going to think about that one. That's the, yeah. that's the title. <laughs> age diversity. It's so and, important. And you know, do really interesting things. That if I'm a 50, nearly 60 year old woman going into uh, an event, and no disrespect to the young ones, they're geniuses. They'd knock spots off us. But I want to go and know there's someone on that panel that maybe has had my worth my worldly experience as well so i can learn something yes. from their success in their business or something now i'm not saying that young people i learn every day from my team listen i, but I i'm sure they learn from you as well rose well I'm, I'm sure i learn more from them because they're so clever but um 
you know, I have actually learned so much. I would, uh, I couldn't even work Instagram years ago. Now I know how to do it. But anyhow, but I do think that ageism is a really serious issue for women. Yes. Probably one of the most serious issues that we are facing. Yeah. And it has to change because... Because uh, it's a way to silence us. Well, it's, it's sexism. It's another way to, you know, put us down. That's extreme sexism. 100%. Because yeah. you're saying that if I'm over 35, 38, yeah. I'm finished. Yeah. You're not you worth know, it. There's a, an organisation um, that uh, that's um, set up that is um, acting your age. It's called, yeah. and it's about uh, actresses over the age of 38 are finished. That's They're terrible. not getting the jobs. Yeah, or maybe they let them play the mother or the, the mother or the grandmother <laughs> or or a nut, nut, somebody's mental health yeah. issues, whatever. So something under that that's not. Like some fifty-year-olds are very glamorous. It's so wrong because we need to see role uh, models you know, to see it is to be it. In, you know, to see it is to be it. TV, yes, cinema. Yes. You know, we need to see women of our age. You know, which is my dream, Rose. What? My dream is to see a James Bond, maybe woman. Jamie Bond, yeah, woman, six years old, jumping from cars, fighting. Well, hold on a second. Younger. You know, I work with Aston Martin, which are the Bond cars. Lovely. Now, I'm their only ambassador, female ambassador. I drive Aston Martins. And they are so behind that now because they're very, you know, renowned as Bond. Fantastic. And so I already now, have the script. The script. <laughs> I've got you as the next Mrs. Bond. So, Miss, Miss Bond. But I'm ready it, to jump. But they are behind my shows, like Power of Women shows. And they want to see... Another, they would like to see, see, I'm sure, a female Bond. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Can you imagine? Yeah, but what I'm saying also, you know, not 20 years old. I love 20 years old girls. Yes. It's wonderful. But because James Craig and all the other, you know, James Bond, they were in their 50s, 60s, you know, we should have the same. Yes. A woman who is considered sexy and powerful and strong. Energe that would be energetic. a great role model. Exactly. That would be yeah. a real... Um, a groundbreaker because yes. that would say oh my god we've got yeah. a 50 year old yeah. Jane Bond yeah. she's sexy yeah. she's dangerous yeah. and she drives Aston Martins so that's the kind of women we want to see in what the else? future and there is no else <laughs> only Aston Martins the whole way but but seriously uh, ageism we yeah. need to address it so we have a plan. We have a plan. We have a plan. It's been great talking with you. Yeah. Rose, thank you for coming because I know you are super busy and you're not have a as lot busy of as you, Miss. You never stop. <laughs> I know, but this is such a pleasure for me because I learned so much when I interview change makers like yourself. And I know you didn't share maybe everything, so there will be another episode where you can share also other parts of your life. Well, hopefully what I'd like to do one day is I'd like to switch the roles. I know I've heard bits of your story, but I have to get your story really out there because maybe it could be for Power of Women, me interview, because your story inspires me. Sitting with you energizes, and I mean it, energizes me. Come on, sure. let's get on, let's do something. <laughs> exactly. else. And that's what it's good. It's contagious. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank, thank you, Rose. Thank you very much. Thank you thank for you having so me much. today in your beautiful home. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you everyone for being here with us today. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And stay tuned for many other inspiring guests. And please share with all your friends on all your social media. Bye.